Welcome to the Staffing RecOps podcast, where we interview leaders from high-volume staffing and recruitment firms on the operations, strategy and business processes that they've implemented or are implementing. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcoming to the show today, Stuart Fraser. Stuart, thanks for joining us. Thank you, James. Thanks for the invite. Stuart's role is UK-wide across all Ganymede's offices, with headquarters being based in Derbyshire, the East Midlands of England here in the United Kingdom. Stuart has 30 years' experience in engineering and project management across transportation and recruitment. The last 14 years working various roles within RTC Group, comprising of ATA and Ganymede. Stuart's current job title is Accounts Director, and he is the Ganymede business representative for their clientele, essentially ensuring the internal operational teams fulfill all their delivery commitments and contractual obligations to their customers, working predominantly within the rail infrastructure industry. Stuart, can you elaborate a little bit for, for me and for our guests? Um, what, what, who are Ganymede? What do you guys do? Right, yeah. Well, th- thanks, James. Yeah. Well, well. Firstly, um, as you may be aware, Ganymede, we're a recruitment and um, workforce solutions provider across the infrastructure sector. Um, we're part of the RTC Group, um, which is a 75 million aim-listed recruitment business. Um, we have also offices across the UK and internationally through our global staffing solutions division. Um, within the group, you've mentioned ATA. Uh, who offer the permanent contract recruitment of skilled engineering staff to both manufacturing and logistics sectors. We've got GSS, um, our global staffing solutions. We're engaged in large-scale staffing um, solutions in hostile locations uh, internationally. Um, we've got DCC, who provide first-class conferencing and hotel accommodation in Derby. They also host all the RTC group of businesses, which leads us on to Ganymede, um, whom, whom we're focusing on today. So we supply technical and engineering staff, workforce solutions to the energy and transportation sectors. But for the purpose of today, we'll focus more on the rail infrastructure business. I, I just think it needs a little bit more press, James, in all honesty. As Ganymede, we were established in 1998. Um, we have a primary supplier, the Network Rail, and a number of tier one tier contractors within the rail industry. Uh, at our peak, we deploy upwards of 1,500 personnel um, with an average of 40,000 hours processed weekly. Um, our head office, as we've um, mentioned, is based in Derby and we're supported by a branch network um, nationally. Within the business to support the day-to-day activities in our resource teams, we've got health and safety professionals, quality, environmental, CSR managers, fleet departments, HR department, and compliance and insurance, which as we go into the, obviously the podcast, you'll, you'll understand why compliance and assurance is so important. And we've got our marketing department as well that helps to raise our brand awareness. I really want to ask you about GSS hostile locations, but we're not going to have time for that today. I'm going to, I'm maybe a, no, I'm going to put a pin in that. that. We might have you back on about that's that. A, that's an all new show. Trust me, so, it's a good one. So, so thinking, so this this quarter we're focused on onboarding, retention, and reskilling. Can you help us 
understand what this looks like at Ganymede and in your industry at large? And mm. how, how has that changed over time? Do, do, do you know what? If we, We've only got to look at what we're seeing in our world at the minute. You know, the cost of living, you know, from a general perspective, it's, it's gone through the roof. So candidates, motivations, counter offers are endemic of, the, of all industries, including rail. And with workers putting bigger priority on take-home pay, and job satisfaction and often job security. The impact of Brexit, um, skill shortages, which is compounded by the competitive job market. Um, within rail at the minute, um, we're competing with internal forces. We've got HS2, we've got the Northern Powerhouse, we've got the Core Valley Lines electrification project, we've got your standard maintenance projects, renewals projects, all kicking off, all re re needing and requiring um, experienced resources. And what we find then is that we're all investing heavily in training and development because with the skills gap, I think it was calculated um, back a couple of months ago by ENSA that we were 5,000 skills approximately short within the industry. So it goes without saying, it's exciting times, but it's a challenging time as well. And, and what we find in attracting people into the rail sector is where it's difficult because construction's thriving at the minute. So we got, we got a lot of competing forces that are... Um, how can I put it? They're making it difficult for us to attract the right personnel and 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 how can I say it? You know what I mean? Fulfill our requirements to the client. Um, were, were there a lot of foreign European foreign workers in rail do, prior to Brexit? Do, do you know what? Um in the bigger cities in and around London, the southeast, yes, definitely. Um when you go to more of the old mining communities up around, you know, your Yorkshires and and in Wales, where I'm from. We rely heavily on the the old mining community, so it wasn't so much of a foreign workforce then. But but what we are finding, even within in the communities we come from, because these big projects are kicking off the Northern Powerhouse HS2, both competing for the same resource. Um, you've got within Wales, we've got our standard maintenance projects with Network Rail kicking off, but we've also got the newly formed TFW who require resources for the Core Valley Lines electrification and metro projects. Um, so so basically the resource sector is exacerbated. Um, you, you're finding at the minute with the the intermediary legislation and the changes and in rail, I don't, I don't know if you know, James, but all the clients we work with, you, you know, the determination is the fact that they come under control and supervision. So everybody needs to sit under the PYE model. Now, you might wonder how that's impacted us, but a lot of the higher level skills, the, the high level engineers, They've, they've, they've moved to the Middle East. They've taken on projects out there where they can get the, the financial benefits and the, the you know the, the tax benefits that come with working as in a, a consultant, an independent party. So it's not as necessarily lucrative or as attractive as it once was for a lot of people. And what we are finding with the ground level staff, because construction is thriving and you, you've got major highway projects going on up and down the country, um, you've you, you've got the likes of um, Amazon in the retail sector, you, you know, paying extortionate amount of money to attract the right staff. So whereas before we'd have a high level of individuals who wanted part-time work, who, who looked to rail, some to top up their, um, their, their salaries and their full-time jobs, some, you know, to make a career out of it. These, these people seem to have drifted away from the market before. <laughs> 
Other than HS2, I'm guessing, because I don't know a lot about it, um, I'm guessing that the majority of work is around maintenance, isn't it? There's not a whole lot of new railway lines being built. Oh, presumably... No, the, the, the enabling works. It's not just that. You've got to look at the asset, the asset tyres. So it's constantly new, needing update and it's con- constantly needing renewals. So... But for, the, for those really highly skilled people, there's presumably far more interesting projects abroad. Are there? No, 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 not necessarily. No. I'd say since the Victorian era, rail is going through the biggest transformation it's ever seen. So, when for individuals that I'd say are leaving college and are looking for an exciting job in engineering, the rail is the place to be. You, if, we got if... all these. I don't think we're going to have any, but if it was a 16-year-old listening to this podcast, what would you recommend they were to go and study engineering? Yeah, studying civil engineering. Civil engineering. Hey, the, the reality is as well, we do fantastic apprenticeship programs to get these individuals starting off in the blue-collar background. But obviously and pay for they, their education. Pay for their education. We train them. And we're not just paying for the education. We're paying them whilst they get trained to undertake Still, the role. I, I would imagine, other than maybe healthcare, there probably isn't another industry outside of healthcare and rail that is going to have a, a higher level of requirements around onboarding compliance. No, no, you're, you're right. The thing is, because it's an heavily legislated industry, first and foremost, but it's a safety-critical environment. And as you can imagine, there's nothing light within the railway. Um, the environment that these individuals are working in... Um, with trains, with on-track plant, it's very dangerous if it's not managed um, effectively. So the individuals, before they start with us, they have to go through a series of training. Um, and it, the training is a personal track safety course they need to do initially. Um, again, drug and alcohol testing, you know, was at the forefront. 20% of our workforce get randomly tested regularly to ensure that even though the culture has changed, you know, when I when I grew up, um, James, dare I say it, you know, the biggest thing for me was going down the pub with my mates for a beer on a Friday after work, you know. But but today as society changes, there's definitely more of a, a drug culture that's crept into society. And ultimately for, on the railway, we can't afford any lapses in concentration. We can't afford for any individuals to be, you know, under the influence of alcohol or drugs. So we take a zero tolerance approach to that type of behavior. Um, so again, so what, what does that look like from an operational perspective? How, how do you guys manage that at Ganymede? So from our perspective, when we're onboarding them, obviously we, from a recruitment perspective, we, we vet most individuals to ensure we, you've got to sometimes give them the hard, the hard light of day conversations, you know, explaining to them what the work is, you're out in all weathers, you know, and whilst Britain has four major seasons in the winter when it's dark, when they go into work, dark when they're coming home, working nights over the weekends, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily an industry that everybody wants to go into. However, if you want to go into rail, you, you've got a career for life there. You know, with the the investment in this green infrastructure at the minute, um, we they're electrifying the majority of the lines. Um, they, we're looking at new um, methods of transportation with regards to hydrogen um, for for the trains. So, with them coming into it, all this transformation, this green energy that we we look into doing, meet the government's objectives by 2050. It needs an experienced workforce that can train 
and I don't know any other industry that where they can start as a PTS um, track worker working out on site alongside the engineers and become, you know, work their way, have a proper career path where they trained and developed through every stage of their career up to high-level engineers. So when them individuals do start, yes, they may be starting on the ground. They may be working in heavy maintenance in all weathers. But if they, it's such a big industry, if they show the aptitude and they want to push themselves and develop their careers, we can help them. We can hold it on through every step of the every step of the way and develop them through the, through their career yeah. what what's what's the hardest part what's the most complex thing for ganymede around managing that around making sure that look you're on top of that drug testing and and health and safety our, our compliance and assurance department we've got a team of nine with health and safety advisors who uh with safety advisors who go out on site and work alongside the our, our people to make sure that they're safe at all times. Um, from onboarding, even when they're onboarded, we give them an eye-level overview of the business, what Ganymede is about. We, <laughs> the induction process itself, you know, test them on their capabilities and what they can do. So we do the, the psychometric testing to make sure they got the right characteristics before they t- step out on track. We run through what we're doing um, in relation to you know, our involvement, our social value involvement within their communities. And look, we work with a lot of government agencies as well in attracting people. We, we, we work with colleges to get the right kind of people joining our industry. So we we ensure that we're giving everybody that opportunity, you, you know, to work. And as part of Network Rail strategy, you know, with social value and, and working, you know, the, the regions that we have won and we've been successful, we need to embed ourselves in them communities and we need to give people opportunities. We've got initiatives at the minute where we're even looking to rehabilitate, you know, ex-offenders who, who can't quite get a job and are more likely to re-offend. So we're working with the, the prison service, we're working with our clients and we're trying to find the one-fit solution where we can take individuals who... <laughs> who probably have taken the wrong turn at the wrong time in life, but we're giving them that opportunity where they can have a career, a fulfilling career, and, and come into rail. So there's a lot of good work that we are doing to get the right people into rail. It gives um, you a good reason to stay clean, I guess, if you've got that kind of a job where you have to stay clean in terms of not, not partaking in drugs and alcohol. Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's, the thing is, um, like like you said, when they come into Rail End, they, they come into that part of a family. We give them that sense of belonging. We'll, we'll give them something of value that they can work towards. And what you've got to understand is your high-level top engineers are working with the, the new individual. We call them blue arts when they first start because they, they wear this this blue art. They're, they, they're working under mentorship. It's, it's easier for the individuals to identify and they know that they, their experience is limited. But they are working with the top management on that site so they get the opportunity to see that how they can progress and what they need to do to progress. And the one thing I'm finding in rail at the minute, James, is there's a lack of leaders. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but people stepping forward, and I don't know whether it's become digital society, whether, you, you know, the youth of today are more, you know, tech savvy and 
playing on their Xbox online, you know, back at their homes, it, it might have affected the fact of, you know, the playground mentality when they when they were in the schools, you know, that, that will to win and lead people. So what we're finding is we're having to develop people and put a structured process in place to bring people in, uh, to their full potential so that they can lead individuals and gangs. And the one wonderful thing we've got in Ganymede, we've got a leadership model that all our team leaders work alongside the, the gangs. They do mini reviews twice annually with the, what's, the teams. What's the difference between a team and a gang? A team, it's, the same, it's the same, a team and a gang. Okay. You've got a gang of eight workers or a team. It's, it's, it's just the semantics in all fairness, James. Um, what, what you will find, though, is a, a lot of our gangs, or as I said, you know, your teams, they, they'll be working with other businesses on site. So whilst we may put 10 operatives out onto a job, there may be 10 from another section, there may be 10, so you could have 30, 40 people on a site that all need guidance, so sometimes it could be chaotic unless you get the right leadership in place, the right structure to guide these people and mentor them through the shifts, and the, the simple thing of them wearing a blue hard hat identifies automatically who needs to be buddied up with an individual would, would, we would, would, that, them. would that typically be um, joint ventures where, where you guys are working on a joint venture project with Network Rail or whoever, yeah. or, or might it be that you, you've been sent individually, you guys have sent a, a gang to work on the actual rail, and another agency has, has got a, a gang, a team working on another asset at that location? A mixture of all them things. You, you, our clients will have a supply chain and they won't be dependent solely on one individual to cover it all. Apart from we have got the network rail contract where we master vendor, but the majority of tier ones, they'll have a number of you to meet the demands. Because as you can imagine, James, getting access on the railway, we've got the public who, who come first, um, and, and ultimately everything, you know, the philosophy is putting the passenger first at all times. So getting access to the asset is the, the difficult part. So a lot of the work, it is at night time when there's less footfall on the trains. It is on weekends when they can actually shut the lines down and you know gain access to, to remove it. Because if you can imagine renewals for argument's sake, you've got a section of track and they need to completely take out and renew over the period of that weekend. Now, once you take the track back and you've got an all there, it needs to be filled back in. The track needs to be put back and fit for service for them trains to run at speed. On the, on the Monday morning. So ultimately, for to meet that heavy demand of weekends, it needs a number of suppliers who can actually, you know, give them the experience and the numbers they need. But from, a, how can we put it, from the, the leadership perspective and the, the guidance on site, obviously that site manager will be running that job, will need a supervision below him who can bring the trains into the site, who could run the on-track plant. But then you need your your gangs, your teams, as I said, you know what I mean? You'd need a team leader within that gang who can actually um, guide and control them to fulfil, obviously, the, the work that's needed and required to be done. There's clearly a lot of complexity around this. A normal, a standard recruitment agency in terms of systems will have a, what in the UK we call a recruitment CRM, what everyone else would call mm -hmm. an ATS. Presumably, I'm sure you guys have that, but do you, do you also use like any kind of project management software or? 
software, we've got our own internal software, obviously, to resource and run them end, and it goes from front end to back end. So we've got a system that helps us resource. There's a load of parameters that are already inputted into that system where we, we manage the work in hours for the individuals because um, ultimately, again, under the ROGs, um, you, you need to make so, sure. Sorry, what's, what's ROGs? It's, it's basically the transportation, the guidance, the working hours guidance, you know, right. the, and, and, and travelling to and from a site and fatigue measures uh, as well within rail. So they've recently brought it back to 12 hours as a maximum on site. Now, as you can imagine, we've got a number of moving parts and individuals who you know, travel to and from that work site. Now, if they've got a, tw- a 10-hour shift, we need a system that can calculate their postcode. So from door to door, we know how much time it's going to take them to get the site and get back home safely. And we need to ensure that they have the 12-hour breaks in between them shifts. We need to ensure that they don't work more than, you know, the guidance is was 72, has been brought back to 60 hours. Um, so we need a, we need a system that we know we're not relying on humans, you know, calculating all this and, and managing it. We need we need parameters within our system that block individual resources from allocating that individual to the role. So our in our system, it takes the orders. We've actually data mapped it to some of our clients. So when they raise an order, they'll go into our system and pre-populate the the order. Our resource teams then will in turn fulfil that with the available candidates that they have with the right experience and the correct skills for that job. And then obviously they'll feed that information through to our clients who can then see who's been allocated and proportion to their job, but also the information that comes back. We upload the timesheets to it. And sadly, I'd, li- I'd like to say we're all digitalized with the timesheets and system, but we've got a lot of clients. You know, we've we got the capabilities internally, but we've got a lot of clients that still need the carbon copies signed on site by their management. So, oh, yeah, so, is- so it's not because I often hear people talk about, yes, we could go digital with timesheets. We've got the capability, but actually our workers don't even have a smartphone or they just they don't have a computer but for you it's not as much the workers it's the clients that a, a lot a lot a lot of our clients not all of them but a lot of our clients yeah they still they still work carbon because it's government but but, but like, like likewise with the aging demographic um of the workforce I, and 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 the candidates we take on there's a lot of individuals that you correct it, they don't use smartphones, you know what I mean? But yet, as digitalization and we're moving forward into that, <clears throat> a lot of the safe systems at work with us, James, you know, we, we we need to get a training and that's something we need to look at as an industry because with the workers that we are supplying out there, they're not necessarily or fee without a fill of timesheet out online. They, everything they do has been pen and paper throughout their life. So getting them educated and trained on the new assets that are coming in because we work as a there's a system at the minute out there um that the whereas before you'd be given your task specific briefing paperwork because as you can imagine before any individual teams go out on site they need a safe system of work pack that tells them precisely what the work is the job that they're undertaking and it gives them all the details the safety details you know for a, a i.e. the possession of the line they've taken, you know, and the, the mileage is for, for, for that safe possession. If there's any trains within that possession, any on-track plant, what work they're undertaking. Now, if, as you can imagine, that document, they try to, even though you try to condense it down as tight as you can, there's a lot of information to take on 
it's moving now with a lot of our clients with digital system that they've got it. So they've got tablets out on site that we provide our, our leaders with, um, our, our engineering supervisors or, uh, you know, the team leaders, hats. gangers. The blue arts, the blue arts will be guided by these individuals. The blue arts are the, the apprentices, so to say, the workers under mentorship who've just started in rail. And they'll, the briefing that they have, a lot of our leaders, because of the aging demographic, you know, we, we, we got guys 50. I've actually got one of my team leaders who've been with me since I came here in 2009 and, you you know, he's worked on the industry for 40 years. He's he's literally 67. He's probably the youngest uh, worker I got at that. He's a fantastic leader. But yet, if I put that digital system on a tablet in front of him, he, you know, he'd look at me um, as if I was an alien. That's the reality. And from our perspective, we, we, we then got to try and cater for the two. So we need to give hard packs to the individuals that can't do it and the digital packs to the youngsters who, 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 who do, not necessarily the youngsters, you know, the people who are capable of understanding what, what the information is. So Stuart, for- what, what, what's the biggest thing that's changed in the 14 years you've been doing this at RTC Group? The biggest change... Um, do you know, it's a great question. There's a lot of changes. I'll definitely say there's a huge drive currently on innovation. I think digitalization as well, from my perspective, is, is where it's going. So from when I started, when it was even, even myself, when I worked on the ground, you had a plastic card you know, that allowed you to access that track. Now you've got the credit card system. It's all online. People can see what qualifications you've got. It's all, it's a system called Sentinel that, that logs all the all the competencies that the individual's got. So then asset manager can directly see what experience he got, what tickets he holds, but it, and whether or not he can undertake our duty. But I'd say one of the biggest changes for me is how we've improved in safety. Do, do you know what I mean? And it seems to be moving more when it first started, it was more the health section, the safety, sorry, the safety aspect with putting safety critical systems in place. But now we focus in really so much on the health of individuals, the mental well-being of individuals. You know, our business, we've got mental health first aiders within our um, within our management teams and our teams on the ground. You know, we've got the first aiders who roam around there who can, who can support them. Ourselves as a business, we offer an employee assistance program. We didn't do that before. Did you know when individuals before would sign up to, it could be 10 to 20 companies originally when I first started in rail. Now you get a primary supplier who take full responsibility for you and your training and your education. And they can have they can have up to two secondary on top of that, which means it's, it stopped the the transient workforce moving around and the, the mercenary attitude of moving for the extra 50 pence per hour. Um, it's given more of a sense of belonging. And as businesses, we've had to mature more from a recruitment perspective um, uh, to become close to, to, to what employees are, um, employers are. So we, as a recruitment agency, there's definitely a maturity with regards to how we run our business. Like I said, you know, logistically, we, we provide a fleet of vehicles with all telemetrics on them to ensure that the drivers are driving safe. We manage, our fleet manager checks on these individuals to ensure that they're driving safely, to ensure they stick into the speed limits. We got a system that actually runs a league table of who our most safe drivers are. 
We give awards out to the drivers for driving safe. We reward them. We put all that details in the newsletters. So if you're, if you're talking about change, it's how we manage our people, how we employ them, how we attract them to us as a business. It's all them factors. And I know there's a lot of moving parts pulled together, but I definitely say that it's not when I started a typical recruitment individual that would put, for want of a better word, a bum on a seat. Do you know what I mean? Now you know the individual, you understand their capabilities, your resource teams manage them individuals to ensure that they, they put where their experience fits them. Because as you just mentioned with Ray earlier on, there is a lot of jobs out there, you know, from from working on the trains with the, the talk companies to renewing the track, to doing the signals, to doing an overhead line, the electrification. So you can't expect just your standard individuals to, to know everything. So we need to make sure that we we fit that round peg in a round hole and we put the right individual to that job. So the teams we put together with our experience management, we make sure they tailor made for the work to ensure our client again the best service, again the best individuals who are going to deliver that job on time. Because like I said, when there's a well for argument's sake, when they're renewing the track, when they are renewing it and it's They've got a, you know, I'd like to say a 72-hour possession. It's more like a 36-hour possession. When that tracks out, it needs to be back in place for the public to be able to get to their jobs. And, you know, it could be back and forth into London at the end of that possession. So we've got to make sure that the individuals that are there are experienced and to understand how to do the work. Stuart, my last question for you, and then sadly we're going to have to wrap up. What's the hardest thing about your job today? The hardest thing, attraction. I think I guess mentioned I, uh, there's so much I wanted to go into today, and uh, as these conversations do, we tend to digress and meander around. Um, and I, I literally had a script written down that I wanted to go in, into to run through all these things. But it's definitely attraction for us. Um, it's getting rail recognised as a, a valuable job, a job where an individual can have a career for life if the, they can progress as far. As they want to, or they can stay. They can they could start on track as a trackman. If that's their goal in life and they enjoy it and they like being hands-on, they could stay there. If they want to move into the safety critical and um, <clears throat> sector and, and move up, you know, to become controllers of site safety to engineering supervisors, we can train and develop them. If they want to become engineers, we can put them through courses with the the, the permanent way institution where they lifting out the they're learning out the refurbish S&C and, you know, undertake the track and alignment themselves. So we can we can progress them at every step of the way if they want that career. And as far as they want to push themselves, we can help and develop them. But attracting and recruiting the right individual in a sector that's fraught at the minute is difficult because we've got a lot of internal competing forces. Like I said, there's, there's, you've got your HS2, you've got your Northern Powerhouse with TransPennine, the upgrade work's going on. In Wales, we've got TFW doing the Core Valley lines. They're all exacerbating a limited resource. And we've got other industries that are competing, paying well. And whereas our game, because the asset, like I said, is difficult to access, a lot of individuals don't want to work these Saturday nights. You know, they want to play football with their mates and go for a beer on a Saturday night. So actually attracting them, again, that commitment for them to come into rail is difficult in the initial stance but i will say similar to myself and a lot of other colleagues and and friends i've got in the industry who's been here for 30 years i started it was going to be a stopgap so i had 
So I had, an, so I had money for an holiday with the lads in the summer. Uh, the fact was, 30 years on, I noticed, the, I'm going to put it, the career you could have, the, the value in it, and it, it's a fabulous industry, you know, with loads of potential, and it, the sky's your limit, basically. I don't know many other industries where they could, you could start off on the ground and work your way into management, into directors' positions, and you, you speak to the majority of the senior individuals within our industry, and they've all started somewhere. They've started, you know, whether that's a, a clerk in the office, working alongside the, you know, the management team, to administration, to, to your track man on the ground. They, they tend to start, they see the opportunities, and it does train, it does invest, and it pushes his people. Stuart, it's been great talking to you today. Really interesting stuff. Would love to hear more. As I said earlier, really interested to hear about these hostile locations that GSS operates yeah. in. Um, yeah. I, think we, I think we'll need to have you back on the show or, or one of your colleagues. Thank you so much for your time. James, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you to our listeners. Please like, subscribe and share. And more importantly, let us know if there is someone you would like us to interview on the show and what you would like to hear them talking about. What strategic and or operational changes are you planning to implement in your staffing slash recruitment firm? Lastly, thank you to our sponsor employee providing front and middle office solutions to a range of staffing and recruitment organisations on the Salesforce platform. That's all for today. James Lawton signing out.